0: Good morning and happy Sabbath. So here we have the story of Job. You know, growing up not speaking English, I truly thought his name was Job. But then I I learned over the years that Job is his name. And uh, his story is here in the book that carries, that bears his name, in the book of Job. we believe that Moses wrote this book, many scholars believe, and I believe that Moses wrote this book. And the Seventh-day Adventist Church also believes that Moses wrote the book of Job, told the story of Job, and, and read, recorded it. And uh, thank God for that, because this book is here in the Bible. But before we, we get into the story of Job, let me read for you a text here in Psalms 147 and verse 3. The Bible says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So when the title of the sermon says that God heals the wounds, it's not me who is saying that. The Bible says that the Lord heals the brokenhearted. The Lord binds up their wounds. It's the Bible who is saying that. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Now I must say this, if you have never been hurt in your life, right? Or if no one in your family has ever been hurt, or if you believe that you'll never be hurt, then you might as well leave. I wouldn't be offended because this message is not for you. But if you have been hurt, and I do think that we all have at some point, we have been hurt, we have been emotionally wounded, we have been disappointed. And uh, so this message is for all of us. I'm staying here. So uh, not only because I'm preaching. But because I have already been deeply wounded in this life. Even Jesus Christ. God in human flesh. Jesus was wounded. Jesus was hurt. Every single human being that has ever lived on this planet. Beginning with Adam. And coming down through the generations, all the way to our time. Every human being that will ever still live on this planet has been or will be hurt. All of us. We all carry, we all bear the bruises and the scars of the reality of life. Some of us are still walking around with open sores, with open wounds, with emotional wounds. But the good news is that the Bible says that God heals the brokenhearted. God binds up their wounds. I should say this the truth is that life is unfair. God is righteous and he is fair, but life is unfair. It doesn't matter how you look at it, it doesn't matter from which standpoint you look at life you quickly realize the unfairness of life. And many people think, like the psalmist would think, why are these things happening to me? I'm a good person. I don't desire evil. I don't do evil to anyone. Why are these things happening to me? Why can't I step up uh, in my life? Why why is this happening to me while I, I look at others who are wicked? And they seem to prosper? And you know we preach about this and we read the Bible and we study about this. And we see ourselves going back, going back to those kinds of questions. Because we don't seem to understand. We don't seem to have an answer for that. Why do bad things happen to good people? Is there a correlation? Is there any relationship between sin and suffering? Is there anything that we can understand or learn from that? I should say something to you. Remember, in spite of the unfairness of life, there is one thing you must keep in mind. If someone is attempting something against you, if someone, anyone, a man, a woman, a co-worker, a teacher, a neighbor, a student, anyone, if someone is trying to hurt you, or even if an evil angel is trying to, is attempting something against you, if the devil himself is investing against you, I will say something for you to keep in mind during this message. The Lord has double blessing in store for you. If you've been attacked, If you are being attacked. If someone is trying something against you. The Lord has a double blessing for you. And I heard a few amen. I really thought I would hear the whole church say amen to that. Because it's not me who is saying that. I'm going to take you to the Bible here. The Bible has shown us us that God. God heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. But the Bible says more. Here in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7. The Bible says, Instead of your shame you shall receive what? It's God who is saying this. And instead of confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess double. It's the Lord who is saying this. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Amen. Amen. That's what God is promising to you. So please open your Bible. If you bought it. If you didn't bring your Bible. Mercy. But bring it next time. Open your Bible to the book of Job. In chapter 1. We're not going to read the whole book. I'm going to read something here in the chap in first chapter, something on chapter uh, in chapter 42, the last chapter, and another couple texts uh in the book. Job chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. And I'm reading here from the New King James version. There was a man in the land of Uz. You know, this is probably somewhere in Mesopotamia. Uh Scholars are not so sure about that. But I I believe it's somewhere in Mesopotamia. And whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright. And one who feared God and shunned evil. And he had seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels. 500 yoke of oxen. 500 female donkeys in a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. He had many employees, many people worked for him. Verse 5 And his sons would go and, and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. They were very un- united, it seems, at least uh, as far as parting is concerned. So, when it was, uh, so it was, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And thus Job did regularly. Now there was a day, verse 6, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came along with them. And the Lord said to, said to say them, Satan, uh, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you seen my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, and blameless and upright man he is, and one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Just Job, Does Job fear God for nothing? It is easy to serve you when everything goes well. But have you not made a hedge around him? Around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has in your, is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. And so Satan went out from the presence of of the Lord. You see. A few things I, I, I want to say about this. First Satan is here trying to tempt God. Oh stretch your hand and touch him. You're going to see if he's not going to curse you. And the Bible says. Do not, tempt your, do not tempt the Lord your God. Because God cannot be tempted. God does not bring evil. God cannot be tempted. But I must admit. As we're going to see here. As we read more of the book. That There was this thinking in the Old Testament. And even people who wrote the Old Testament books. They had this thinking that that God was responsible for everything. God was responsible both for the good and for the evil. And you will see that. But I praise God that the book of Job is here to tell us something about it. To show us differently. Now God says that Job was blameless and upright and that he feared God and shunned evil. Well, he must have been really, really uh, righteous. Because God himself is commanded Job. Right? And here we see Satan joining a meeting. where, uh, you, you know, God has created many, many worlds and planets. And many that we don't even know about. Uh, we know just a tiny bit of God's universe. We know about just a tiny bit. But I believe that there are many other worlds, and the Bible does indicate that. And I believe that in those worlds, there is someone who oversees businesses there. It takes care of that world, or that planet, just like Adam had been entrusted by God with the cares of this planet. So, Adam, uh, God told him, you, you will have dominion over the birds, and over the livestock, and over the fish. So, the air, the land, and the sea. So, you'll have dominion over them. You take care of this planet. But Adam, as we know, Adam and Eve sinned. And so, apparently, this uh, control, this administration, the management of this planet, uh, fell into Satan's hands. So, Satan goes to this meeting, kind of representing planet Earth. So much so that God asks, uh, where have you been? And he says, I'm coming from from the earth. So uh, one thing we notice here is that the meeting was not here on earth because he was coming from the earth. And he says, I've been going to and fro and up and down running back and forth on the earth. So as he would say, you know, I'm 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 the big boss there. I run that planet there and I'm coming here as a representative of that planet. And God says, "Okay, but uh, have you noticed? Have you considered my servant Job? He's really righteous." He's blameless. He's upright. And he shuns evil. And he fears God. Satan says, well, it's easy to serve you when everything goes well. But if you touch his life, if you touch something around him, you'll see. But God says, I'm not doing that. You can go ahead though. and And you can lay your hand upon everything that he has. But you see that he has moral fiber. You see that the fiber... Of his character is strong, and he 's not going to deny me and so the, the the remainder of chapter one describes how, in one single day, one day only, every possible calamity, everything you can imagine, every imaginable disaster came upon job. He lost everything his children he lost his uh, livestock. He lost his servants. He lost everything. There is one thing that he didn't lose. Do you remember? His wife. So it, there was more than one then, I realize. His his faith he didn't lose. And also at that point he didn't lose what? His, his health. His well-being. But then comes chapter 2. And then in chapter 2 there is another meeting. And Satan goes there again and there is the same conversation. And God says, didn't I tell you? Job would not, would not deny me. He would continue to be faithful to me. And Satan says, yeah. But you know, people will give everything they have. And what they don't have. If they, if they have at least the slightest possibility of keeping their health. So they do whatever they can. And so, God says, Okay. He is faithful. He is blameless. He is an upright man. You can go ahead and you can lay your hand upon him. But you have to spare his life. You, don't have the, you, don't, you are not allowed to touch his life. And so the Bible says that Satan departed from the presence of God. Now, being faithful to God when trials and persecution and affliction come, it's not for everyone. Being faithful to God when those things come is only true for the true children of God. And we must understand one thing, that God is the creator of everything. God is the one who creates. God is the one who created everything good. Remember, at the end of every day, God would look at his creation and he would see that what he had created was good. And even on the sixth day, he created something that he said was what? Very good. It was more than good. But there is one thing that God has not created, and it's evil. God was not, and he still isn't, and he will never be the author of evil. Evil is foreign. Evil is strange to God's nature. And as basic as this may sound, we need to understand this. God never causes destruction. God never causes evil upon anyone. And this is important, especially in light of of what I said. That some people in the Old Testament times, would see God as being responsible both for the good and for the evil. And we must understand that God, is the creator, but he's not the author of evil. Because if we understand that, that will be a great thing for us. It's going to be the assurance that we need to continue to keep going on. So this vision that God was responsible for everything is very prominent in the Old Testament. But I thank God that the book of Job is here. Because the book of Job tells us, now we look we read the story and we see that everything ended well for job and then we say yes it's good to be to remain faithful to the lord because you know the lord blesses us but there is another lesson here the book of job is showing us clearly that it was not god who brought all those things to uh, to job's life it was who it was satan it was the devil So that allows me to clearly state here. And declare that God is not responsible for evil. Every evil, every bad thing that comes is Satan who is responsible for that. One day. One day God will restore everything that the devil has taken away. One day God will restore to you. Everything that the devil has taken away. Has the devil taken away a child of, of yours? Has the devil taken away your health? Has the devil taken away your peace? Has the devil taken away your dignity? God will restore everything to you. He'll give it back to you. And I'm saying this because God is God. I can't do it. I can't promise it. But God will do. I cannot, but God can. So Satan departs from the presence of the Lord. And he goes and he strikes Job in a terrible way. People give would give everything they have for their health. And Satan comes and he strikes Job with painful sores. The Bible says... From the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. There was not a single uh, part of his body that was not affected by it. And the boils, the sore was so terrible. That he had to grab, you know, broken pieces of pottery to scrape himself with them. You know, sometimes we get a rash on our skin. And it itches and it's, it's not nice and... But then we, we use a medication and it goes away after a while. But Job had this over his entire body. From the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. And, and picture here a man who is now on the floor. He doesn't have a, a comfortable position to stay in He's grabbing uh, pieces of pottery. Scraping his body. It sounds disgusting and it is. It sounds gross. But you see... God speaks of Job as someone who was blameless and unright- and, and uh, righteous and upright. I really wish God would speak of me like that. I really wish God would look at me, would look at someone and say, "You see my servant Evaldo, He's blameless. He's upright. He, he fears God and he shuns evil. I wish God would trust me as much as he trusted Job. But one one lesson we can learn here. We should probably look at our brothers and sisters. We should probably be looking at our wives and husbands. The way God looked at Job. And We should be able to encourage them. And we should be saying good things about our spouses. We should be uplifting them. We should be showing unconditional trust in our spouses, in our husbands, in our wives. Show that we really love them. And that, I tell you, would prevent many marriages from breaking up. But anyway, Satan strikes Job. And we see here again that everything bad that has come to Job's life, has come to his own body, has been the work of the devil. And you see, that's what the devil does. Some people think, well, if the devil could, he would kill me. And I'm sure he would, because his essence is evil. But the devil wants, first and foremost, to turn you away from God. Because if he's able to turn you away from God before he kills you, all the best for him. So, as long as you keep your confidence in God. As long as you keep this in your, in your mind. That you need to stay focused on God. You need to stay faithful to Him. That God is the source of life. That God is not the one who is sending you a tribulation. Who is sending you affliction. It is the devil that's trying everything. As long as you keep our eyes focused in the Lord. The devil we won't, won't be able to do anything Against us. Well, let me say something here about uh, Job's wife, right? His wife stayed next to him, and we have a tendency to criticize her and say, oh, she should have been more faithful. But remember that she was side by side with him. She lost everything as well. Job lost his children, so did she. She lost her children, she lost. Everything she had. And she, I believe she plunged into a terrible depression. So she came to the point where she said to Job. Curse your God and die. Die and put an end to your suffering. But I tell you my friends. Death is not the solution. Many people believe that death is the solution. Many people come to the point of thinking of taking their own lives. But death doesn't solve anything death may come but the troubles will go on many people die and the troubles of this world continue on so my 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 counsel to you is live always desire to live and live with god because god can heal the wounds of your soul of your life now the name job the name job has several meanings it's not really clear what exactly there is it means, so there are there are a few interpretations here. job has uh, has been determined to mean uh, to repent, to turn back, and there is one that I really like is he who turns to God. you think of the sunflower right that follows the sun and so and so job. He turned to God. He followed the son of righteousness. That's a beautiful picture. Job whose name is he who turns to God. Job is considered by some an allegory. Many preachers today would say that yes this is not a true story. It's in the Bible just to give us an example of faithfulness. But it's an allegory. I tell you it is not. You may, you may call me old school. But yeah maybe I am. I'm 50 years old now. So anyway, it's true. It's a true story. Just turn to Ezekiel fourteen fourteen. Ezekiel 14, 14. And there the prophet Ezekiel, not only in this verse, but in the following verses. He mentions Job along with Noah and along with Daniel. So Job was real. James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. James, the Lord's brother, he also mentions Job, They wouldn't do it if Job was a fictional character. Job was real. And we believe that Moses wrote this book. Now when was the book authored? We are not so sure. But probably after the time of the patriarchs. And before the time of Moses. Why do we say this? Because in the book of Job, if you read it through. You see that there is no mention, no specific mention of the law. Of the law of God. And so that might be an indicator that it was written before uh, that, not that it was written, but that Job's s- story took place before Moses' time. And also in this book, you notice that it is Job who offers sacrifices, and this was typical of the patriarchs. Right, once Moses took the people out of Egypt and, and they became a nation, then you have the Levites, you have the priests. And those are the ones who offered sacrifices. So Job is real. He was real. And he lived probably between the time of the patriarchs and the time of Moses. Now being blameless and righteous. Fearing God and shunning evil. Job also determined that he would stand for some principles. And I want to show you one of them. Job chapter 31. Verse 1. You know, he was righteous, but he said some things in his heart. And that's really that's commendable. That's an example to be followed. Job said here, chapter 31, verse 1, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Oh, well, there's a principle here involved. There are several principles here involved. Usually people who are wealthy. People who are rich, people who are powerful, they believe that they can do just anything. Right? If they're powerful, they expect everyone to do what they want. When they want. The way they want. If they're rich, they believe they can buy people with their money. But here is Job who was wealthy, who had everything, who had many servants working for him. But he said, I made a covenant with my eyes. That I would not set my eyes upon a young woman. So we as well. We may not be wealthy. But we may be uh, to a certain degree powerful. We may have been entrusted with responsibilities. And the principle here is that we should use our influence. Both for the benefit and for the salvation of others. Christianity is for all of us. It's for the weak. It's for the strong. It's for the powerful. It's for the poor and for the rich. It's for anyone who is willing to build up a character like the character of Christ. Now, I need to move on to something else here. Because in the book of Job, we see that there is this thinking that if something is not going on in your life, it's because you have what? You have a hidden... Sin, You are cherishing some sort of sin. And then bad things are happening to you. God is bringing you judgment. And I don't want to be here... uh, 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 Unpolite here. But I would think that some of us still think like that. Some of us still think that... uh, because there is a cherished sin in, in someone's life, maybe not in ours, but in someone's life, then they are f- they're facing, they're being met with punishment, with judgment from God. Well, I must say this, that suffering in this world is one of the consequences of sin, is one of the side effects of sin. When Adam and, and Eve sinned, there, was, there were terrible side effects for the whole planet, And one of them is that there is evil in this world. uh, Satan and his angels are working here. Working hard. To make people's lives miserable. I'm not saying that people are excused to go ahead and sin as as it pleases them. But all I'm saying is that there is unfairness. And there is evil in this world. That is not necessarily a result of, of my sinfulness. But here come Job's friends. At least they're called friends here. They come and, and they say that Job needs to examine his own life. You need to examine your life. You need to, you need to search your soul. There, there must be something going Come on, tell us what's wrong. Tell us what you're doing. Because uh, this, is, this is not expected. The Lord would be blessing you. Why has all of this come to you? You know, uh, we need to be careful with things we say, Right? Friends are, are precious. Friends are, are more worthy than, than money, I believe. But we need to be careful. Sometimes someone loses, has a family loss, and we come to that person and we say, Yeah, maybe, you know, that was God's plan that it would happen. No, it's not. It's the devil's plan. Maybe there's someone really ill and that person passes away, and we come and say, Yeah, Maybe that's how God wanted it to be. No. God never wanted that to be that way. It's the devil who wants it. It's the devil's will. It's the devil's way. It's not God's way. God did not create death. So let's not attribute to God. Things that he did not create. Problems that he did not create. God has already trouble to administer. Beginning with me. Right? Beginning with my life. So it is not God. So Job's friends come to him and say, There must be something. It's better that you confess now that, that the Lord may restore you. And Job looks and he searches his soul and he examines himself and he can't find anything. And he, he says, I don't know. If you can help me, maybe tell me because I can't find anything. I can't see what, what's wrong in my life. Now look at this sequence of events here in the book. Job had his wife come to him and say, curse God and die. And he said, no we have received good, we have received bad from God. You see that thinking that God is responsible. But anyway, even Job is saying that we received both good and evil from God. I will remain faithful to him. The Lord gave, the Lord take, took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Still that thinking, but, but still he was faithful. And then his three friends come and they say, There must be something in your life. There's something wrong. And finally comes a, comes a gentleman whose name was Elihu. And he seemed to be very good in, in, you know, in uh, discussions and arguments. And very prolific in, in conversations. And he comes with all arguments and philosophical conversations with Job. And he finally starts to question some things in Job's character. And Job eventually becomes so influenced by that. That he starts to argue with God. You see how things are? We need to be careful. Because at, any, at some degree we are all influenced by others. So we should never ever allow anything to stand in the way of our confidence and trust in God. Because there will be all kinds of opinions coming. There will be all kinds of waves in life, all kinds of winds. But we should not be tossed around by those waves, by those winds. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 says, "The the, The Lord wants us to grow spiritually. The Lord wants us to grow and mature spiritually. That we should no longer be children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. If you have to trust something. If you have to trust someone. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord always. And in the Lord only. The Lord is our mighty fortress. The Lord is our rock of ages. Psalm 46. One says that God is our refuge. And strength. A very present help. And trouble. Now. I'm finishing here. And I'm going to take you to chapter 42 now in the book of Job. It's the, it's the last chapter. I said in the beginning that if someone is attempting someone something against you. If the devil is trying you. If a, a man, a woman, a co-worker, a neighbor, whatever the situation is. If there is tribulation and affliction coming your way. If people are desiring, desiring evil to you. if people are desi- Don't be afraid and don't worry. Because I said in the beginning that the Lord has a double blessing. And the Bible has confirmed that in Psalm 143. The Lord has a double blessing for you. So pastor are you saying that the Lord will restore even the children I have lost? That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I have lost children to to drugs, to addiction. Are you saying that the Lord will restore that? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Are you saying that the Lord will restore my dignity? I've been abused as a child. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's what the Bible is saying. But Pastor, I believe that this is true. I believe in Job's story. But I, maybe the Lord will not do the same he did to Job in my life. He will not do the same to me. Well, that's then between you and the Lord. Because I'm just preaching what the Bible says. And the Bible says that the Lord will restore. Look here chapter 42. Chapter 42 beginning in verse 10. And the Lord restored Job's uh, the Lord restored Job's losses. When when was that? When he prayed, as he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So the Lord called uh, uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, and uh, Zophar. And he called uh, Eliphaz, uh, Eliphaz is the first, right? Yes. And the Lord called him and said, You know, you are wrong. You are saying things about Job and about myself that are not true. There is nothing wrong in Job's life. So, I, I'm not pleased with what you have said. So, if you want to be forgiven, you go, you take your offerings to Job, and he will offer uh, your, your offerings as a sacrifice. And I will accept his prayer on your behalf. So they had to to go through that humbling experience. They come back to Job. and, And they bring their animals. And Job offers the sacrifice. And Job prays for them. So as Job is praying for them. The Lord restored everything that Job had before. As a double portion actually. So here is a lesson. The Lord will restore things in your life but you got to pray for your friends as well. You got to pray for those who seem to be your friends but have been your enemies. You got to pray for them. You got to offer prayers for them. You don't need to kill animals, to slay animals because Jesus died for all of us, but you have to pray for them. And the Lord will restore. In verse 11 says, then came to him all his brothers, all his sisters, you see, why did they come to him? Because they had, have gone, had gone away. His brothers, his sisters. Now they came back. Well, the, the money had you know, ended. He was all, all sick, all sore. Now they came back. And all those who had been his acquaintances before. And they came to him and ate food with him. In his house and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the lord had brought upon him each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold 12 now the lord blessed the latter days of job more than his beginning for he had now not seven thousand sheep but fourteen thousand not three three thousand camels but six thousand camels not five hundred yoke of oxen but a thousand and not, and not 500 female donkeys, but a 1,000 now. And he again had seven other sons and three daughters. And, and the Bible gives even the names of the daughters. They were Jemima, they were Kaziah, and they were Karen Hapuk. And in all the land, look at the comment that the Bible makes here. Verse 15, In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And Job still lived 140 years. And he saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. And so Job died old and full of days. That's what the Bible is saying. That's what the Bible is teaching. That God has a double promise, a double blessing for you. Whatever may have happened in your life. Now, I'm sure that the Lord will not restore my wealth. Because I've never had any. Right? So, it's obvious. But the Lord will restore whatever you have lost. And again, I repeat. If you're struggling with this promise. Struggle with the Lord like Jacob did. And the Lord will reveal his beauty to you. May the Lord bless us all.